This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Shots of Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Pauls and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and James Forsyth. So this is the week Boris Johnson wants us to talk about his new look number 10 and there is plenty to talk about. On Saturday night there was the announcement of two new appointments, Steve Barclay, uh, the Minister to Chief of Staff and Guto Harry to Director of Communications. James, before we get to Guto Harry and we've got an interview we'll be able to share with listeners, can you talk us through Steve Barclay and why he was a very senior role but also he's going to have to bounce for other duties? So Steve Barclay is the kind of cabinet minister whose role currently most resembles that of a chief of staff in that, you know, he is in the cabinet office meant to be making sure that, you know, things happen across government that what the centre wants is actually reflected in what departments are doing. So I think it would have been impossible for him to have turned this job down. I think hiring him solves a problem in that it says to them that they've got a kind of credible figure as chief of staff. I think, though, that you would have to be beyond the stacanovite to be able to balance being chief of staff with also being Chancellor of Duchy of Lancaster and a constituency MP. So I think that is going to be a challenge. And I think the other thing he's trying to do is create this new office of the Department of the Prime Minister, essentially, which, which might be a good idea. I mean, there has been a case for something like this for quite some time. But, you know, trying to do all this on the fly with very little plan when the Prime Minister's political capital and authority are low, it is not going to be easy. I also think that you see a pattern here of Andrew Griffiths, the Prime Minister's PPS, becoming head of the policy unit, Steve Barkley becoming chief of staff. These jobs are being offered to people kind of inside the tent, which obviously makes it easier to get people to say yes, but also doesn't necessarily solve all of your problems and makes it look like you're making these very quick internal moves because you're not confident about your ability to hire externally. Fraser, when it comes to the second appointment, uh, which is Guto Harry as Director of Communications, this is someone who's worked with Boris Johnson previously, dating back to his City Hall days. So is that going to reassure MPs? In some ways, the spin doctor ought not to matter too much. I don't think that Jack Doyle, the previous spin doctor, had much of a public profile, wasn't somebody MPs were that worried about. But I think Guterri might be a rather different appointment. He, I mean, we're, it's not even lunchtime on a Monday, and already he's made several public interventions. He has given, well, I can, as far as I can work out, the first ever interview given by a number 10 communications chief uh, to a Welsh language website where he, he's given us some pretty good colour um, in that website, if my Google Translate is um, working correctly. He's we're saying all that, hoping today Google Translate is working. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he says that he showed up... Are we still sure that we haven't missed the beginning sentence which says this is a spoof or oh, in welsh yeah it was so funny it was a massive wind-up <laughs> i mean are we are we totally i think by this point you'd imagine guta harry would come out and say okay. it wasn't him well anyway perhaps the welsh language press is where we're going to go for our scoops now but in it he reveals that he turned up to number 10 and saluted the prime minister soldier style saying he was reporting for duty and the prime minister responded that maybe he should be taking the knee in front of Guto Harry, that's a reference to the fact that Guto Harry's one of his final things he did as a GB News presenter was to take the knee live on air, leading to an uproar, threats of boycotts, etc. Now, this is interesting because 
to hitherto the art of being a communications director was not to become the story. But typically when spin doctors have resigned, they usually say when the spin doctor becomes a story, it's time to go. Gutierrez seems to be applying the opposite of this. He's making himself a story from the moment he gets appointed. In fact, he was making headlines by trolling um, Dominic Cummings on Twitter before he walked in. So he might be more of an Anthony Scaramucci-style uh, communications director, somebody from whom we can expect more colour, personality and fireworks. James, when it comes to the mood amongst MPs, I mean, we'll wait to see when it comes to this interview, which I suspect will do the exact opposite when it comes to reassuring MPs. Many want it to be a serious operation. Um, lots of briefing out last night in the paper today about how it's all about having grown-ups in. But some of the jokes um, coming out perhaps suggest that hasn't quite got through yet. But what is the mood amongst MPs um, going into this week? Because we had a trickle of letters. You had Nick Gibb on Friday submitting a letter. Are we expecting more? I think there will be more letters this week. I think the kind of the crucial question, as we discussed last week, is what what's the ratio between the letters that have been submitted privately and the ones done publicly? One, um, Kamala Allen, the Prime Minister, was saying to me at the weekend, look, after the Nick Gibb letter came out, look, all these letters are coming in last week, are coming from the One Nation wing of the party. This is, you know, it's basically suggesting this had all been planned at a dinner that had taken place that I think you've written about, Katie. So I think, I think the question is, you know, do you get more letters? And who are they coming from this week? And what does, signal does that send? I do think on your point that one of the big things they've been trying to do is trying to, you know, I think Tory MPs don't want to hear anything more about the people who work in Downing Street. They want an end to stories about, you know, what X unelected person thinks about why. You know, they don't want any more, you know, uh, whether it's Dominic Cummings or, or Carrie Johnson or even, I would say, Gitto Harry, they, they, won't, they don't want to read more stuff about what these people think. And so I think, as you said, I think this interview will, however it lands for the public, Tory MPs just don't want to hear any more Downing Street drama. And so I think it, it, it will, that, that's the, 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 I suspect, will be the overwhelming reaction to it. One of the big questions we're all asking right now is what's this new look Downing Street going to be? Are we talking more more sombre, more professional, more get job done Or is it going to be colourful and simply in a new direction? So far, I have to say, it's, it's looking towards colourful, certainly as far as Gidu Harry is concerned. And I also think that, make, a funny thing about Chief of Staff is that you, as Prime Minister, you can make anybody you want Chief of Staff. You have to rely on MPs to fill your cabinet. But the fact that you took Steve Barclay, an MP, to be his Chief of Staff, suggests that we're now entering a phase where Number 10 is going to be, be governing not so much for the country, but more for the Tory MPs to keep them all happy, to keep them at bay, perhaps. So perhaps this is going to be a very defensive and number 10 we're going to have between now and the May elections. The May elections, if the Prime Minister lasts that long, will will show us whether he has got um, his election-winning potential. And it, it does seem to me as if we're now settling into a kind of pattern that we can expect to hold for the next few weeks, perhaps a few months. And let's talk about that um, desire, James, to bring in the backbench more because you saw that when they announced those new uh, appointments on Saturday night, it came with this idea that you know Steve Barclay's appointment particularly was about um, making sure there was a close connection between the parliamentary party and number 10. But yeah, 
I've definitely got a sense from a few cabinet ministers that they're not necessarily delighted at this because they think almost we could enter a point where if Boris Johnson is so in the thrall of his own MPs that he has to consult everything through them, they're not going to have much authority and also not going to be allowed to do much. What do you think? I, I think that you would never guess at the moment the government has a majority of almost 80. And I think the other problem is this strategy of Boris Johnson would be much simpler if all Tory MPs want the same thing. They they don't, and this is this is part of the problem, right? So, you know, take the national insurance rise has been a kind of classic example of this. You know, Boris Johnson kept being told by MPs who went in to see him, "You've got to cancel this. You've got to cancel it. It's not a good idea." He kind of opened the door to cancelling it. That then drew a reaction not just from the Treasury but from MPs such as Jeremy Hunt, who wanted a kind of sustainable funding model for social care, or look at energy policy, where you know there are people who want to get rid of all the the green subsidies, saying that that would reduce bills. Then there are MPs on the um, you know Chris Gibmore has is, is, is set him set up this kind of net zero support group for Tory MPs who think no 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 that would be very short sighted. So it's not clear what the answer is in that Tory MPs don't all want the same thing. So if Boris Johnson moves to please one set, he could end up alienating another. And I think one of the worries is that, remember, if you think back to the Owen Paston affair, which you could say was the beginning of all of Boris Johnson's troubles, the issue there was that, that, that you know, Boris Johnson's... Do you have an inbox on WhatsApp? Is that the right tech phrase? But, you know, Boris Johnson... If only you did, it'd make it a lot easier to manage. Yeah, Boris Johnson's WhatsApp feed and text messages were filling up with messages from people saying, you've got to do something about this. And it turned out that they were not reflective of the, the wider parliamentary party. And I think there's also talk today of a, of a reshuffle with the chief whip moving out and maybe some other changes to the whip's office. I think there are, again, two problems here. One is that there has been some heavy hinting to the 2019 intake that they'll get serious representation in the whip's office. I suspect that the reshuffle might end up disappointing on that and alienating more of them. And the other thing I would say is, when a leader is in a situation where almost every political discussion starts with how far off 54 letters are the rebels, to clear out your whip's office at that point carries with it obvious risks. And then, Fraser, the other, I think, story kicking around today uh, involves the Chancellor. And there's talks that the Treasury have blocked a plan announcement today on tackling the NHS backlog. What are you picking up in terms of Boris Johnson's relationship with Rishi Sunak? On the one hand, some are uh, quick to point out that Steve Barclay is a close ally of Rishi Sunak's. So the very fact um, he's chief of staff and the Chancellor was consulted ahead of his appointment suggests the relationship could be improving. The relationship, it's it's a very strange question because uh, I was struck uh, months ago to hear Number 10 briefing against the Chancellor in what I thought was quite a in quite a surprising way. Rishi Sunak himself has usually gone to great lengths to present himself as being united behind Boris. Or put it this way, I'd written that in the Telegraph column when I was upbraided by somebody number 10 saying, you must be joking, he's a treacherous wee snake. Um, look at what he said about um, learning to live with the virus, etc. And what what I saw is relatively um, you know, benign kind of Rishi Sunak laying out his own vision was seen by number 10 as him parking his tanks on number 10's lawn. Now, when you are um, in a bunker I think everything that moves looks like a tank. So I think it's certainly true that anything Rishi Sunak says that this trust says right now will be seen by Number 10 as an attempted position on the Prime Minister. And that said, of course, Sunak was Boris's appointment. He wanted to get rid of Sasha Javid, he wasn't playing ball, and Sunak was seen to be a tame appointment who would accept Number 10's um, rule, a rule stretching over the Treasury as well as um, the rest of the government. So it's hard to go from there on to seeing Sunak as the great kind of traitor. On the personality basis, of course, this is a, this is a number 10 now 
which is spent every day waiting to see if today's going to be the day that the rebels come for them. Pretty soon they'll be getting into the position now where they'll be, they'll be weakening potential rivals. So you're going to get a mean comments made about this trust, mean comments made about Rishi Sunak. I mean, I don't think it started yet in, in any earnest, but that is the natural next step of politics. The, the funny thing is that when it comes, I mean, you still got the Prime Minister and the Chancellor doing a joint op-ed last week about the need to push on through with a tax rise. Now, that showed a deliberately united front. In Steve Barclay, you've got somebody who's quite loyal to Rishi Sunak. Now he's the, the chief of staff. So it's if you really wanted to marginalise and alienate Rishi Sunak, it's a very strange way of going about it. Uh, the, my reading of this is that the Prime Minister himself does not see Rishi Sunak as being particularly treacherous or untrustworthy, although plenty around him did. When I say did, we're talking a lot of them aren't just aren't simply not around anymore. Who knows what Guzzi Harry thinks about Rishi Sunak. So I think we can definitely settle down for a period of institutional hostility. We had it a few days ago where Sunak took the quite bold decision to say that he would not have made the comment about Jimmy Savile that Boris Johnson made. So distancing himself publicly from the Prime Minister is quite ballsy. And it's certainly something that was intended to draw some clear blue water. I do think Boris Johnson is the sort of person to hit back on an individual basis, but it could well be that his new number 10 team does intend to hit back and we could be getting a bit more of that number 10 versus number 11 hostility that was so familiar under the Blair Brown years. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.